0: First John chapter three, verses one through seven. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called God's children. And that is what we are because the world didn't recognize him, it doesn't recognize us. Dear friends, now we are God's children and it hasn't yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Every person who practices sin commits an act of rebellion, and sin is rebellion. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Every person who remains in relationship with him, every person who abides in him, does not sin. Any person who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The person who practices righteousness is righteous in the same way that Jesus is righteous. Have you ever been to a uh, gender reveal party, anybody? I confess, oh, I don't feel so alone then. I I thought that I was really out of it, but I confess I've not been to one either. Uh, In fact, uh, even though I understand they've been around for 10 years, I hadn't uh, ever heard of them until uh, the news broke that someone had started a forest fire When they had um, smoke generating pyrotechnic device go bad um, in California last year, it was part of the gender reveal that was happening, and uh, apparently it was a little too dry for that celebration. I think they're kind of uh, strange, because we understand more and more that uh, gender is a little is fluid and um, not binary, non-binary, and so it seems an unusual development. But I suppose, after all, it's mostly uh, cause for a party and a celebration and an opportunity to imagine what a child will be like and to generate and participate in the excitement of seeing someone become. It is exciting thinking about and imagining what a child will become when they come into the world. This is a a revealed truth, gender reveal, um, a revealed truth, and in this scripture passage, there is uh, a lot of hints of revelations that are yet to come. In the translation of the CEB that I just shared with you, it talks about, uh, we'll know him when he appears, but um, in uh, the NIV and other translations, it says, we'll know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. The author of this little letter was writing to a congregation that was experiencing quite a bit of social disruption. They were experiencing ruptures within their fellowship because some Christians were teaching another doctrine, and it was causing a real rupture between different groups in the congregation. It also was experiencing a sense of disruption because the church was new and forming and breaking away from Judaism. And in this uh, teaching of early Christianity, they really expected that Christ would come again very soon and, and the world would all be set right again. So it was a time of kind of upheaval and... And it made people feel unsettled. And in many ways, this letter is written not with new theological teaching or uh, sophisticated doctrine. It's given to remind those people in unsteady times of simple truths that they could rely on and live into. Simple truths. And what were they? In the very first uh, line, it starts out with something that we should be excited about. Uh, It says in this translation, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. In other translations, it's behold, much like um, when the angel appears at the tomb. Behold, it's a wondrous thing. Behold what love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children, and that is what we are. It's something that we hear all the time, Christians. We learn to sing Jesus Loves Me. We hear about God's love all the time. It's easy to gloss over it and to take it for granted. Maybe one of the most fundamental reasons, though, that Jesus talks about God as a heavenly parent is because wants us to sink in how profoundly wondrous it is that God, the author and creator of the universe, actually desires something like a personal relationship with each one of us and that the nature of that relationship is absolutely founded in God's self-giving love and it is personal. Behold, we, you, I, we are loved by God. We're adopted as children of God. We are brought into a set of relationships. We're promised an inheritance. And we take on family traits. Behold, we are loved by God. It's not to be taken lightly or for granted. So many people do not know this simple gift. So many people may have heard about it, but may find it difficult to believe because their experiences of human loves have been so conditional or so limited that the idea of an unconditional love that is at the same time personal is just too good to be true and so hard to relate to. Now, most of us have had some kinds of loves that have been conditional, and and I suppose um, I suppose none of us have experienced from another human being an absolutely perfect love. None of us are perfect people. Some of us have had conditional love that we've received from, from people who love us because of what we've attained or people who love us because uh, they think that they'll have a higher social status by association with us. People who love us because we like to do the same things that they do. People who love us because we're successful. People who love us because we share something in common with them. But God's love is completely as a gift. And it's personal to each one of us according to what we need at the time. Good parents love their children actually differently according to each child's personality and communication style and stage in life and what is needed. I think this is one of the reasons that that Jesus talks about God not as God but as father, as parent. It would be easy to think about God as the creator and one who stands back from what has been made. It's much more difficult to even use the word parent and not think of something much more personal and involved. Parents continue to relate to their children even as they grow through many stages of life. Parents learn about what a child needs. Parents are responsive, good parents. I remember uh, I was uh, 49 years old and um, I'll never forget it because it made such an impact on me. It was a very hard year for me and uh, personally I just felt uh, really, really discouraged and down. And uh, on my birthday, which um, was uh, something that mostly in my adult life I've given not too much attention to. I'm not a huge birthday person. But one um, that night I got a phone call from my father. Um, it was kind of late at night because we were living in different time zones. And my father uh, was not somebody who had a singing voice at all. In fact, he was... A genuine monotone if you 've heard of such people, my father really was one uh, when he when he thought he was going higher, he was just getting louder. when he thought he was going lower, he was just getting quieter. It was really all the same note. <clears throat> but I picked up the phone, and my father, who was just on the phone by himself, started singing Happy Birthday to me, and then he just closed it by saying i'm glad for the day you were born. Such a simple thing, but how did he know it was the exact thing that I needed on that day? Nothing could have been better. My father knew what I needed. I hadn't even told him. In fact, I probably didn't even know my, know myself. That's the way good parents love, and a small image of the way God loves each one of us and it's a wonderful gift. There's nothing in the world like love to make things sweet. It's what Dion was talking about, what she saw in that picture. She saw a picture of her loving community, not rich in resources but rich in care, compassion and relationships. That's what God's love is like. We should not take it for granted. Can anyone doubt that the world we live in has far too many people who do not know that they are loved and precious? I recently read a book um, by uh, Tara Westover. It's called Educated. It's several years old. Um, it was an Oprah book back in, I think, 2018. It's a wonderful read. It's a memoir of a woman who grew up in a, um, a family that were survivalists in Idaho, and um, she really, uh, the, all the children really worked in the family business, which was a junkyard from an early age, and she got no formal education whatsoever and very little informal education. but uh, by the end of the story she has a doctorate in uh, history from uh, or in moral philosophy from Cambridge University in in England and and the memoir is kind of how she got from her household where her father was probably mentally ill with some paranoia that also became mixed in with some of his religious ideas and he had a, a, a big kind of war against everything that was from the government or expertise like medical science. And it was quite, um, and and very controlling of his children, abusively so. Her story is about how she managed to get away from her family and really make a, a understanding a reworked understanding of herself she attributes it to education turning points in her story include episodes in which her father has um, herself and and some of the other siblings who are working in the junkyard that he owned He would uh, try to get things done quickly and take shortcuts through safety procedures uh, that put the kids at risk. And uh, sometimes they were injured. A few times they were badly injured. And he would not call medical help. Usually it would take someone else doing that. He would send for her mother to do some herbal healings. At a certain point, Tara says... I have always known that my father loves his children and powerfully. I have always believed that his hatred of doctors was more powerful. She knew love so conditional. It was a terrible journey for her to overcome the kind of internalized uh, self-hatred that accompanied that. I think about uh, Jesus' work on our behalf. In the passage, just after we um, are in this passage I read, it talks about God's love being given through the Son so that our sin might be taken away. And I think about the gift that God gave in Christ of being someone who hated sin and yet walked into all that was involved with the cross, all of those manifestations of human sinfulness and brokenness that were willingly embraced and taken on by Christ. There was nothing, nothing that he loved more than the world and the people in his work to save us. Truly unconditional love. We know this. It is our legacy, our inheritance. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us. What are the other foundations of the simple truths? Well, I don't know about you, but when I look around the world and some of the challenges that are presented there, I feel inadequate to the task. I'm regrounded and reminded in this passage that God's not finished with me. God's not finished with you. God's not finished with the world. We're all still becoming. Part of these words are repeated each time we do a funeral liturgy. Now we are God's children. What we shall be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when he appears we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. We are becoming. God is not finished with us yet. We are still in the process of taking on the family resemblance of the family in which we've been adopted. The fruits of the spirit are things that are manifest in the people who believe in God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are you there yet? I have some things I need to work on. Can we imagine what we can become as God continues to work on us and in us. And thirdly, the simple message is to abide in God, to abide in Jesus, to lean into the relationship that God offers us Because all that we can do flows from who we are and whose we are in that fundamental relationship. I tend to think that I'm supposed to be doing things for God as my first step. And the scripture is reminding me that I can only do for God what I have to give from myself and I only have to give from myself what I have been fed for and given by God. I can only be a loving presence in the world as I have been loved and in my, growing in my relationship with God. I've learned um, a wonderful thing from watching um, my husband uh, and his uh, daughter Abby and our, my stepdaughter Abby. Uh, they talk a lot on the phone to each other Not long periods of time, but several times a day. It's not uncommon for them to check in. Um, Sometimes I'll be in the room and listening, and they just ask about the weather. What's the weather like down in Charleston? What's the weather like up here? And I think you could just pick up your phone and look at your app and find out what the weather's like where she is. You do not need to call and talk about this. But, but... What I've I've learned is that this is, these simple things are just cultivating the relationship and keeping a line of communication open constantly. It's a kind of real deep abiding together and growing together. And I thought about that image as I was reading the words, abide with me, abide with me abiding with Jesus, communicating steadily, regularly, prayer, reading scripture, singing hymns, hearing your devotional music, going for a walk, admiring God's handiwork in the world, thinking about your life and the way that God is intersecting with it, journaling, writing that down, celebrating it, talking with a friend about your life and your faith are always to be abiding and living into the relationship of God who is still working on us. One of the things from Tara Westover's story that uh, reached me powerfully she calls her book Educated because she attributes her um, her breaking away from the self-condemnation and the self-hatred that came to her through the way she grew up. She attributes it to her education, and indeed, uh, her education was a big part of it. But I think she underplays the number of people in her life who did small acts of kindness and showed small ways of love to her that helped tremendously in that process a roommate who suggested that she connect with a college counseling center, a professor who took an interest in her, someone who directed her to a scholarship, an older brother who put textbooks in her hands as he was on his way out of the house, a college advisor, a boyfriend, another friend, many pieces and parts of people who showed her love, helped her come to a point in which she could love herself and create a life for herself. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. I pray we might find opportunities, each one of us, to do whatever we can in ways large or small, to help other people know that kind of love it is the light of the world it is what makes life sweet we are blessed to know that love may we share it with others amen